Hello, my name is Ken, and I want to welcome you back to Deep Waters. This podcast is brought to you by Applied Strengths Ministry, where we believe working together in our strengths is the effect of working out the will and calling of God in our lives. The title of this message is Church Purpose, and it's a big one. This is Series 2, Episode 2 of 28. Well, you know what they say, once you get the first one behind you, the rest are easy, right? So more life in life than if our life was absent of his life. More life in the family, more life at work, more life in our church and community, more life in everything that life has permeated, more life than we were wooed and lullabied by the devil to stay away from the source of all light. If you attend a church and think that you have a better process going on than all the rest of the churches around you, then you are following after the thief. It is the Holy Spirit working in and through us, and it is Jesus' church. Why would Jesus divide his bride? into different preferences and purposes, missions and callings. Wouldn't this be like saying to your kids, I love you more than your brother, or I love your sister more than I love you? And the reason I do is they got their stuff together and you don't. Each church has a role, and when guided by the Holy Spirit, it should be doing its part in the community. The service may look different from one another, but the infighting between denominations is hubbub and thievery. Hey church, look at your community. How are you doing? Is your community encountering a supernatural, life-changing, can't-get-enough-of-God's-revelation-from-my-life experience? Are people being supernaturally healed? Is the prophetic active? Pastors, are you constantly begging people to serve and pay their tithes? This should not be the case. Why would God beg you for something that belongs to Him? Malachi 3, 6-12. And that He gave you the ability to get. Deuteronomy 8, 17, 18. The church should be asking itself, would I marry me in my current condition? Individual Christians maybe should ask the same question. Would Jesus marry your church if it represented the bride of Christ? Look at what the Father said to his son. Psalm 2, 8. Ask of me, Jesus, my son, and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. A bride that can't get along. I don't think so. He's not giving Jesus an inheritance that can't get along. I have seen the spirit of Jerry Springer on a church, and it's not pretty. We are a gift from the Father to the Son. Oh yes, look at what it states. I will give you the nations. Are we not more important than land? The ends of the earth. Did he not die for us and not for the earth? Yes, he did. What kind of gift will God give his only son? Jesus was promised something wonderful by the Father. A bride, no doubt, is what he asked the Father for. Would the Father hand us over to him now in our condition? If you say yes, then surely I've underestimated the problem. We've got a long way to go, and I think we can make the changes necessary for the Father to be very proud of the gift he is giving his Son. And God can redeem the time so that we know he can make short work of mending us and uniting us. Don't worry, I know there's a devil, and if Jesus had him in a small group, no doubt he will have him in his church. Heck, it may be some of you who are tuned in. Time will tell, and I don't care. I expect it. I am an ears, eyes, and throat doctor. I want you to see, hear, and speak of what you have both seen and heard. Acts 4.20 So here we see that Jesus states the following in Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 6.14.15 Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. This is talking about marriage, right? 
Will we not be marrying Jesus? And is he not coming back for his church? If yes to all of these questions so far, then once more I must ask, why do we invite the unbeliever to church? Oh yes, there's so much more on this message. Please be patient, it's a long drive. Continuing with 2 Corinthians 6, 14, 15, it states, For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? So we have non-believers in our Bible studies, life groups, and church services. And justifying it perhaps by thinking, well, if they get into the anointing, brother, they could just as well become born again right there in that seat, bless God and amen. I've heard it. Perhaps you can find a woman that hates you dearly and marry her, hoping and believing that someday you will be able to turn that freight train of a woman into your ways, and that once she sees just how anointed you are, she will fall madly in love with you, and all will be well. Nope, all will be, you know, what if you take this approach? These days, we can't even stay married to the one in whom we just knew would stay with us forever because of their undying love for us. How much less of a chance of staying together when we marry the devil? Nope, the church is not the devil. But hasn't he been invited to the stag weekend? The Bucks night? Or is more common cut? or is more commonly known as a bachelor's or bachelorette party? I know it's over the top, but I'm driving a nail in the concrete using a wooden spoon. Back to Corinthians. And what communion has light with darkness? No matter how much you tell non-believers that they should partake of the communion, we must understand that we invited them into an area that they cannot understand, and then somehow we expect them to uncomfortably stand around with us and all the while they are thinking now that everybody knows that I'm a non-believer. This is an effective strategy, right? Should we continue to isolate them from any future opportunity to attend a church when they may actually be being saved? On with Corinthians. And what accord has Christ with Baal? Now you see here, Jesus has gone a meddling. The church represents Christ, and the address on the building represents our meeting location where we equip the saints for the work of ministry and make disciples that remain. John 15:16. So why would we invite the enemy of God to our hut? To his house? Do you purposefully invite the devil into your home during your Bible study? How about your prayer closet? Let's keep moving and grooving. Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? Seems to me he is asking what part of your life, any specific area, that you can think of as to why you would be okay with compromising in this area. This is not saying that we cannot hang out with non-believers and the devil's kids. It's talking about separation from them, their appetites, purposes, goals, you know, things you used to have when you were in the world. They just don't know any better. And when you were on the other side, neither did you. But so don't hang out with the old you as the word never lies. 1 Corinthians 15.33 Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Even our stitching is different. Jude one twenty three, but others saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. Let's keep driving. I take some liberty in my new expression and use of the scripture, but only to the degree to make a point, and that is that we cannot be unequally yoked to Jesus. His bride will consist of only authentically born-again believers, entirely sold out to his will and purpose, that both obey and know him intimately. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 there will be no place for the devil at the table. No place for denominational differences. There will be no puffy puff pride at his banquet table. So do the words of John ring true at all in this sub-church journey? 
Second John 10, 11. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Cell group, life group, Bible study group, groupie groups. Is this person sitting in your group because you invited him because we are to preach the gospel to every creature and then invite the creature into our homes because why? Nope. Are we equipping those in whom we send out to share the gospel to follow John's advice? This has not been my experience. One come all come. Let's fill the seats so Jesus will be proud of our numbers. And yet, like a faulty foundation, when the storm comes, no matter how big you get, the collapse of whatever it is is in your building is inevitable and should actually be expected and hoped for. What? Is this too hard to hear? Look at the condition of the world. Does God's bride not have the ability to change current events? Though Princess Diana was a princess, she still went on into the world to make a difference. She did not go to those who opposed the idea of her very mission. She went to the receptacle until the opposers couldn't stand the sight of her generosity anymore. Well, that's it for today, and I know it's a strange place to end, but there'll be a lot of those. There are many more to follow in this series, but in this I wanted to touch on all of the pain points of what is affecting the church today. Remember, it's not what you find wrong or disagree with regarding these messages, but what you can take away from it. Together we can do more to impact the kingdom than if we work alone. Let's flip the script and kill, still and destroy the works of the enemy and create space for the light of lights to shine through into people's lives. Plant a seed and click on the like and subscribe button. Let's build this ministry together. Thanks and see you next time in deep waters.